Coming up on this week's episode of Next Year the Detour, we sit down with hometown hero Matt Sauer, currently in the New York Yankees organization. We talked to Matt about his upbringing with baseball and faith, talking about his journey playing ball here on the Central Coast, now in the minor leagues and currently recovering on the track to being back ready next season from Tommy John surgery. So without further ado, with Matt Sauer, off we go with Next Year the Detour. All right, here we go. It's about time. Matt Sauer welcomes us on the detour. Matt, appreciate you being here. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here talking to you. Yeah, I appreciate you know Jimmy here to my left, Matt here to my right. Uh, I think we'll just kind of jump right into it as far as what this last year was like, I think before, you know, we'll tell your full story, but you had a year lost to the coronavirus and that's kind of like a, hopefully a once in a lifetime story. So I, I guess I'll ask also recovering from Tommy John surgery. What was the 2020 season like for you? Wow. Uh, 2020 season was, was definitely different. I mean, showed up for spring training, um, expecting to be fully recovered from Tommy John, get into things back in the I was planning to start throwing in games in late April, and uh, I mean, everything got shut down, so I came home immediately, was staying in contact with the team, trying to see if I could come back to the complex in the middle of it, but I mean, obviously that wasn't allowed because we're on lockdown, I mean, you're still pretty much on lockdown, so um, yeah, no, it's been, it was really weird, um, had to find guys locally to throw to, and I threw around 35 innings over the summer. Now, is there any like aspect that it was almost kind of easier to come back from TJ since you don't have a season to not that you would like rush back anyway, but there's no kind of like incentive to, hey, you know, if I have a setback, like that's going to kind of ruin my whole season now versus the whole season was already kind of postponed anyway. Is there any kind of aspect that um, might be even easier? No, I never really thought about it that way because I mean I didn't care if I was going to have a setback or anything because I was I already missed a whole season so I was expecting to go full go for the season no matter what, be ready to throw. and Because, I mean, I'm a competitor. That's all I – like Jacob always tells the stories of me competing. So, uh, there was – I didn't even look at TJ as a setback. Like, um, I knew I had a – there's a purpose for me being with the organization. And so, missing that full season, coming into 2020, I was just ready to go and go from there. Yeah. All right. I feel like that was like the most like professional question just to get out of the way. I want to have some fun now. I'm okay. Just, I'm like, I'm just, I know. I was really like we like did our whole practice and like our tone of voices totally switched as soon as the record button was on. It was super professional. I was like, oh, this sounds like crap. No one's going to listen to the next three minutes. Okay. So I'm going to like, hey, I'm going to like read some the mental credentials. You know, second round pick to the Yankees back in 2017. Also at Regetti High School, a place your jersey's probably going to be retired, I'd say, in the coming years. And that's just me saying that. But like, I feel like that's kind of a implied thing at this point you're taking Rigetti back to the CIA championship game and then you go back even for, uh, farther taking Orchid National to the brink of getting on television and like I think like since everyone in you know Orchid Santa Maria area since we were all you know 10 for you nine years old at that time I think we were all aware how talented you were and how it was ahead of the curve from our surroundings so I guess like a question that I want to ask you is at what age did you realize, I'm pretty good at this, and I think that I can play this 
longer than most people get to? Uh, honestly, I think it was eighth grade yeah. when I was, I did that, uh, I went to a tryout for the Wahoos over at Lompo Kai and, um, I was there, uh, it was for the like higher, like seniors and freshmen in college. And I showed up to that tryout and they were like, what the hell is this 13, 12 year old doing here? And, um. So I went out there, I was fielding ground balls, and then Vince Aguisi asked, is there anybody that needs to throw a bullpen today? And I just raised my hand, like, what the hell, I'm going to go over there and throw them. Everyone's five years older than me at this point. So I went over there and throwing, and no coaches are watching. And then, so, Vince comes over. I mean, he was a scout for the Indians for, shoot, 20 plus years. And so he comes over, and he's like, who the heck is this? Throwing over on the pen because I'm I'm popping the glove pretty good, throwing harder than half the seniors that were out there. And uh, he comes over and he's like, "What's your name again?" I'm like uh, Matt. And he goes, "Let me make a phone call real quick." He calls the coach at USC, and he so he has a phone call with him. Coach ends up sending me a letter in the mail. I get it on my I'm in eighth grade. Get it on my desk at school. I'm like. You know, a letter from USC in eighth grade. This is weird. And then went through that summer, played on the higher level Wahoos team, um, like their collegiate team, they called it, going into my freshman season. And I mean, I had all those guys from that were going into senior year, like um, Blade, yeah. um, Matt Silvera, Isaiah, all those guys. And I played on that team with them, and they were, they were like, they immediately told Tamuka, like, hey, we need this kid on our team. And then I became the Friday starter for our high school team as a freshman. And then I realized, well, I'm better than all these guys right now. <laughs> so I don't see what the difference makes being so young. So it was probably eighth grade, freshman year, letters started rolling in. I was like, okay, this is, this is when it's starting to get real serious. Now, were you always a PO in high school? No. Or was there so? Uh, what's Hell no. <laughs> so when did you become like a pitcher only? When you got drafted, or was it maybe a year? Before? Yeah, when I signed with the Yankees. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean I had, I mean Team USA. I played third base, so I threw two innings, gave up like two jacks. I was like, ah, maybe I'm not going to be a pitcher. <laughs> like maybe I'll play, be a corner infielder or a right fielder or something. I mean I was slow shit, so. Wasn't like I was going to be a center fielder, <laughs> but now corners infielder. And then, I mean, up until draft day, there was talks of getting taken as a position player. So then the Yankees were like, "Dude, you almost you're almost touching triple digits. You're going to be a pitcher." I'm like, "Okay, it's fine with me." He's like, "I'm going I'm to follow up." I think this. I'm assuming this will take us even earlier. Is there like a moment or a time that made you like fall in love with baseball? Because I hear a lot of guys, especially with like your caliber of talent, that, that like. Like, we'll use Anthony Rendon as an example. Like, he didn't lie. He was asked this question one time, and he said, like, I fell in love with it because I was good at it. Like, I, I like, like I hit the ball over the fence for the first time, and I thought, okay, yeah, I dig this. Like, for you, was it realizing, like, I can mow guys down? I, like, I, I love this? Or was it something that you invested in more because you realized the game kind of called you? Um, I mean, ever since I was little, I had a ball in my hand, ball and glove. Uh, having an older brother that's eight years older than me, Seeing him play, and then my dad always pushed for us to play um, baseball. 
Um, so I fell in love with it when I was really young, but then once I got 9, 10, 11 years old, like you said, mowing guys down, I mean, when you're on the mound, even at that age, I was like, this is fun to compete with these guys. And then once I started playing uh, like higher competition and was still dealing and throwing really well, I was like, there's nothing better than this. And then, I mean, ever since I was little, also my parents put a strong faith that I have into the game. And so probably around my junior year of high school is when I was just talking to Jesus over baseball. And then it hit me just one night, like, this is what I'm meant to do. Like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, hopefully. So. Yeah, man, I think, like, one way or another, I'm sure you will. You know, whether even that's, like, a coaching thing. Because I think I, like, I was thinking to myself, like, man, even if, like, baseball doesn't work out as far as, you know, playing in the big leagues for 15 years, like, you're kind of set up to this point. Like, on your resume, you have stamped, like, draft pick from the New York Yankees. Like, you're... You, you have no problem getting a job in baseball, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. also you don't like, we'll have any problems stop throwing a baseball anytime soon. I was trying to think. I was gonna. I think I'm gonna bring up my, my story next about from from little league. For the most part, when it would come around time, the end of the year, like all star season, and then obviously in the high school playing on the same team, but playing against you like during the regular season. I have one really cool moment that I plan on talking about for for, for years. So like, we go. Uh, my my team, the Dodgers, is playing the Phillies. And we put up a six spot on this kid in the first inning without even getting a run. I hit my second home run of the year. I hit an oppo. It was pretty nasty. And then they bring in Matt, who goes 18 hitters up, 18 hitters down. And they come back to tie. And we're headed to the 10th <laughs> inning. Or 7th inning in that yeah. point, I guess, yeah. So I think, I'm, I think I'm leading off that inning. And Matt gets up on the 0-2. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm, one, I'm at this point one of the more talented hitters on the team. He's not throwing me a curveball. He's not speeding up my bat. So I'm geared up for the fastball. And he gasses me about shoulder to neck high fastball and I am on it and I swing through it don't really come close to it <laughs> but, I, but I told myself that I had to look so badass kind of like I was on that fastball and I walked away from the dugout like that's how good you were I think is I walked away feeling pretty damn good about that I strike. just had a big league strike right there. <laughs> exactly. like I felt like man everyone in the stands had to be like man that kid was on it <laughs> so following you know after little league and you know, we talked about eighth grade a little bit I want to talk about the high school days a little bit because I think that that's where you became in my opinion like more of a vocal leader because I think you're always you know personally like a fun goofy guy but I think that especially I'd say what well, your last two years really realizing you were you know like the head of that team and everyone, the person that everyone would look to is that something that you welcomed or is that something you felt like you had to grow into I mean I felt that when I was a freshman yeah honestly because uh going to well especially at practices yeah because at practices, I was all for having a good time, but there's a fine line of having a good time at practice and working hard and goofing off and not doing anything. Well, my freshman year, it seemed like we weren't getting anything done, and that team could have been way better than we were. And as a freshman, I kind of stepped in as like, hey, like now we're at practice, like let's actually focus on the game a little bit. And then obviously junior and senior year, and I was third and fourth year on the team, that was when I was a lot more vocal with it, and but at practices it was like, like during BP, like let's all shag, have a great time. But when we're doing drills, like if I saw somebody messing around, I was like, I was all about winning. So I'd put like you, I'd push you guys, everyone on that team. I was, I wasn't afraid to get in guys' faces, but not in like a jackass way. You no, know? no, I have, I have two stories that I think paint that well. One was something that like stuck with me it's like damn like we got to take this a lot more seriously because I was in the outfield at that point 
But there was one specific day we came in and like the first baseman weren't digging a baseball for crap. And I remember like at the end of infield outfield, you going to first base and just digging baseballs out really easily and then running in and saying, it's not that hard to dig a baseball, let's go. And I was like, Jesus. If I was Daniel Esparza, I'd walk, I'd leave right, I'd leave right now. And then another one I feel like will come off with like a cry to help for listeners. But I remember like basically, and I, you do this to a few guys, but like me personally, like basically tell me to be a man one time. <laughs> one time. Like, it wasn't even to me. It's I was in the same room <laughs> as Zach Anderson. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Okay. But it sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. So you're talking to Zach on the phone, and I'm there. And he goes, man, like, Nolan's 18 years old. It's time he stopped threatening to kill himself after striking out. And I told myself, you know what? He's probably right. <laughs> I'm a grown man. I'm going to stop threatening to end my life after going over two. <laughs> yeah, maybe I was a little rough back then. <laughs> Shoot. No, no, it was, it was, I think it was a needed thing. Cause like, aside from that, like you, like one of the most supportive, just best teammates, probably the best teammate ever had, especially given your talent. So I feel like I'm like painting you poorly right there. So I'm going to correct that. Right no, now. that's fine. Yeah. That's so fine. I think that's like my, my last playoff run, my senior year, your junior year, like knowing that whenever we had you on the mound in those playoffs that I was going to get to put on my Jersey for the day after that still, <laughs> that was really cool. Like, I, I think that like, that's the bond that I think is still like, you know, carried me with you for a few years is specifically yeah. that run. Because I was super thankful. Even like, like I, I started one game that year, and I went 0 for three. But it was a game that you started in the Tascadero, and then won a complete game. And we won that game. And like I thought to myself, like if I don't have any positive memory personally, I can say I played behind Matt at a, in, a, in a league game that year, and that was enough for me to to call it good. So I'm, I'm going to transition to now your senior year. You know, after the CIF championship and everything, what is it? First week of June, 2017. It's draft night. I'm just going to leave the floor for you to take us through that. Well, shoot. I had my graduation party the day before. And uh, so, I mean, whole family, every mm-hmm. person in my family was hung over for the draft day. <laughs> <laughs> we had, you were there, right? I was on draft night, yeah. Yeah. So we had, shoot, 140 people there. And I mean, I, my parents were stressed as hell, super stressed out the whole day. And I was trying to just stay relaxed, like, just let whatever happens, happens. And the only parts where I'd get upset at anyone was when I'd get a phone call and everyone would erupt and like, no, but the, the draft hasn't even started yet. Like, we, were, <laughs> we haven't been picked yet. But uh, now that day was, um, it was just amazing to be around family and all my closest friends. I mean, it started to be, it was just going to be teammates and then like my closest friends and then my whole family because we have a pretty big family. So that was going to be, pretty big crowd there and then it news people started showing up and it was like what in the hell is going on then it came to me i realized like whoa this is actually like a big big deal for our town like this is kind of cool yeah and then when i finally i got the call that they were taking me 54th i i mean i started crying and that was rare for me to cry I, so first I hugged my mom, hugged, hugged my dad, and then it, I didn't know what to do. I was just walking around the room, like all excited. Everybody's cheering. I was like, this is amazing. Just hugging I, people I haven't hugged in years, like get to hug them. It was, that was a great night. Yeah, man, I think now I'll, I'll let you ask some Yankees questions now that we're at that point. So, you know, minor league times with the Yankees, go for it. Yeah, well, I, I want to go back to the draft real quick, if you don't mind. Like when you say you got the call – is this Cashman? Like, who, who's the one? That, yeah, I figured it probably was it, but, like, who's who's the guy who's giving you the call there? Uh, my area scout, Bobby Jardin, uh, had called me. And I, I couldn't even hear him on the phone. 
because as soon as I was talking on the phone, it popped up on the screen because we're watching it live. Popped up on the screen, Yankees pick is in. Nick Swisher. Yeah, Nick Swisher. Yeah. That, was, that was pretty cool. That, that guy's awesome, by the way. That's a high-energy guy. Um, so I, Bobby's like, hey, yeah, we're taking you right now, blah, blah, blah. Couldn't hear the rest of his conversation. And all I remember hearing was from him, the last, like in the midst of me covering my other ear, just so I could hear it, was just said, have a great night with your family tonight. I'll call you in the morning. That was it. They just told me that I got drafted, and all I heard was have a great night. So I was like, I'm going to live it up right now with my family and friends. Yeah, party started up to that. Exactly. It did. It did. We went all night, I think. <laughs> now, obviously, you get picked second round by the Yankees. That's that's where you're going, unless unless you're Derek Cole, you know, right? No, yeah, but yeah, there's no doubt about it. Now, you're getting letters. You said you're getting letters from USC in eighth grade. What was, like, the decision-making process for you, maybe before the draft, of, like, am I going to go to college? Am I going to try to sign right away? Well, I, um, I committed to U of A uh, junior year, uh, which is actually pretty late for guys. Guys yeah. commit sophomore year, typically. I went junior year, signed my letter of intent. Then throughout the season, I mean, all 30 teams had visited my house, had in-home meetings. Multiple teams three, four times came to the house. So every week during the season – um, I mean, we played Tuesday, Wednesday, Fridays. So on Monday nights and Thursday nights, a team was at my house. So my whole weeks were just jam packed. And, and then I started to realize it was like halfway through my senior year, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to you with right. <laughs> Like this is, this is pretty real right now. Nice. Now, so you get drafted, obviously you go straight to, Rookie ball in where's the Yankees facility? It's going to be somewhere in Florida. In yeah, it's in Tampa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you're 18 years old at the time, I'm assuming. What is that like where you're in San Marie your whole life, you're playing games on the Central Coast, and then you got to go to Tampa with a ton of guys you never meet? Is that a culture shock at all, or is it kind of just um, you trying to compete? I mean, to me, it wasn't really at all because through over summers I was traveling, and uh, I was traveling by myself, anyways. Like, my parents had just put me. Well, like I played for CDA Marucci and my parents would just put me on a plane and travel there and I'd be there alone. I had to take care of myself when I was like, I went to Georgia a couple times down in Arizona alone a couple times. So once I got to Florida, I mean, I knew the Yankees were going to take care of me. Like it was, it just took me second round and it doesn't matter if you're a first, second or 20th round guy, they're going to take care of you when you get there. So to me, it wasn't, I mean, it was different living in Florida. I didn't realize how shitty Florida is in the <laughs> summertime. But, I mean, I, I was blessed with amazing roommates my first year. One of the guys, I'm still roommates with him every single spring training. He's my best friend with the Yankees. And so, I mean, I've just been blessed through all that and knowing that the Yankees, I mean, to this day, they missed two seasons. They still reach out to make sure I'm doing good and everything, so... I mean, they're a first-class organization. Yeah, so I'm going to ask now, going into, what was it, the end of 2018 or beginning of 2019, when you knew you were going to have to have Tommy John, I want to ask the the lead-up to that, when you started feeling pain and when you, like, you know, going for the MRI and that whole thing, because that's going to be pretty, I don't know. Really it's actually kind of funny. Yeah. So most guys kind of know right when they mm-hmm. do it, which I kind of did because – we were playing, it was our home opener. So we started seven days on the road. 
Um, I started our second game of the season in Columbia through Q was actually there, which is pretty cool. Um, started second game. I threw really well that game. And they uh, and the Miners were on a six-day rotation. So since I threw the second day, that put me on the home opener, which had 10,000 people in Charleston on a thirsty Thursday, which means dollar beer night. And there's six colleges in Charleston, so every college person in the world's there. And the place is loud as hell. And um, I was throwing fifth inning. Um, I was a runner on first base. Um, well, this game also, I, highest career walks, like there was something off from the get go. And I thought it was just, I was over amped or something. Fifth inning, I throw a change up about 37 feet, <laughs> hits the grass and like rolls to the catcher. And I was like, that didn't feel good, but it's kind of chilly tonight, whatever. <laughs> then I throw dead red fastball, kid turns on it, hits a double off the fence. I look. I did, I did a little courtesy radar gun check, and it said 86, and I was like, well, something's wrong, and the manager comes walking out, and he's like, you doing all right? And I'm like, ah, my arm, arm feels fine, but he's like, well, you're at 75 pitches already. Um, just go go get some ice, go into the tunnel. I'm like, okay. So I go into the tunnel, and once he took me out, all the adrenaline's out, and I'm sitting you know, underneath the stadium seats really you can still hear the crowd above you and i'm in our underground batting cages and i'm like shit my arm hurts <laughs> like this thing hurts but let's see if i'm all right so i pick up a couple baseballs in the batting cage and start ripping them into the net <laughs> like seeing i'm like probably not the best idea <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no trainers know about that already so um i threw more and i was like okay and nothing stings like i'm good Wake up the next, my parents were in town, so I wake up the next morning, go over to my parents' hotel, and my elbow is the size of a softball, and it's, like, uh, black and blue. So I text the trainer, I was like, hey, uh, before I got to the field, like, my arm's shot today, just wanted to give you a heads up. Um, so then I proceeded to go golfing with my father that day, kind of thinking, well, I think I'm out for the season, I need to teach you. <laughs> <laughs> like, might as well golf as much as I can. So I get to the field, he looks at it, it takes him five minutes, he calls the uh, doctor over at um, the hospital in Charleston, sets me up for an MRI the next morning, um, so I get the MRI, go to the field, just, I didn't have to do anything before the game, because co- all the coaches knew, like, something's wrong, so I didn't have to play catch, I didn't have to do anything before the game, so I was just sitting there, really. While they were taking BP, and a coordinator had flew in um, as soon as he heard about it. So then they got the, that was a day game when I found out. Right after the game, I get called into the manager's office. And you get called into the manager's office, it's either really, really good news or really, really bad news. There's nothing in between. And so, obviously, only second start of the season. Elbow's feeling like crap. I'm like, okay, I have really bad news. I'm going in here. Sit down. Coordinator tells me, hey, uh, uh, we're going to call Mark Littlefield, who's our uh, rehab coordinator. Calls uh, Mark. Mark's like, hey, Matt. Uh, just looked at the MRI. The doctor in Charleston uh, said it didn't look pretty, so we sent it up to Dr. Ahmad up in New York, and 
Ahmad says you're going to need Tommy John surgery. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, at least I know. So they were like, you have a couple options right now. You could stay in Charleston tonight or and travel to Tampa in the morning or just drive to Tampa tonight. So, I mean, we had a day game. We were done by 2 o'clock. So I'm like, I'll just drive tonight. So I stopped playing another round of golf by myself. <laughs> drive, drive to Tampa. I already knew I'm having DJ. Then sat on my ass for two weeks in Tampa, just going to the field every day at our uh, spring training facility. Uh, I was playing golf every day because I told him, like, hey, my season's over. Can I play golf? Trainer, like, whatever. Do, do what you want. Set up surgery. Had my well, Flew to L.A. for surgery. Um, so I was home for about a week, which was cool. Had surgery, then flew straight back to Tampa and started my rehab right after that. So I was in Tampa for my first six months of rehab. Because what was that like? Because, like, that's not an on-field failure, obviously. But I feel like with how – you know, smooth sailing, I guess it had been. I feel like that's really the first time baseball-wise probably faced some adversity. So I guess, like, emotionally, what was that like? Because I feel like one of the things that I've talked about is just how emotionally consistent you've always been as a performer. So I feel like when you have a year of not being able to perform, what was that like? It was different. Um, I mean, I, that was probably the time when I actually started really watching baseball. Yeah. Because before I... Like, especially when I got into minor leagues, I didn't watch. Like, I, I just watched the minor league games in the dugout when I wasn't playing. Um, but then I started every single night. I was up really late watching my own video. I probably watched the video from Charleston probably a thousand times. Yeah. Just watching that game, like, learning what happened, what what was going wrong, what forced me to have what happened to my elbow. Um, and then... Um, that was when I really, I mean, obviously it tested me big time mentally. So especially being in Florida, no roommates at the time, living alone, rehabbing every day. Um, that was when I really, really grew my faith. And so I would say that was, honestly, it was one of the best things that could have happened to me. Because when you're in minor leagues, you can, you can get away from that. Um, so it was a big reality check to me be like, Hey, look, I was, I was getting away from God during this time. And so it was to me, it was Jesus telling me to grow my faith back into him and focus on him and baseball. He's like, he's already told my heart that he's put it on my heart that I'm going to be a baseball player. I'm already here playing professional baseball. So what I need to do is focus on him more and then everything will be taken care of and then so I got into that and then uh I mean I was I wasn't supposed to start throwing till six months after surgery but my recovery was so well after surgery I started throwing four months after surgery and that was just to me that was God telling me hey look this is why you need to put me first in your life yeah it's tough to follow up <laughs> like, like, like mentally I was thinking like next we'll probably go to like the draft night tweets but like man I'm, I'm gonna t- take a second on that, that no was, you can go for yeah, anything no man that's that's awesome I, I, I love to hear that you know, as a Christian and myself that's why you know like Clayton Kershaw is my favorite mm-hmm. player of all time and I guess yeah. exactly just because you know that your value is in something besides baseball and just like you yeah. said like you know like, you know, like sports is kind of just a vessel a platform if you will so exactly yeah. like you put, like, you know, God's already told you you're going to be a baseball player, so just trust him, put faith in him. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's special. Yeah. Okay. 
and you've kind of hinted at this already. Um, you know, a lot of pro guys get Tommy John, they say they feel better after, right? Because it's like you kind of get the procedure over with. In fact, the guy drafted first round, round ahead of you, Clark Schmidt, had Tommy John, I think, a week after he got drafted, right? And now he's one of the top. No, he, he had surgery before. Before, he that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, I mean, I'm, I kind of know your answer probably already, but like, how do you feel now, what, 14 months afterwards? Way better than I felt. I mean, it's not even arm-wise. Everyone asks how the arm's feeling, but it's in reality just how the body feels. Yeah. And I took it upon myself to, like, hey, you need to open, like, just get your hip mobility up. That way you don't put any more stress on anywhere else on your body. So, I mean, and I had my strength coach down there. The rehab strength coach in Florida was amazing. And I learned so much about my body during that time and my diet and everything that I think that's what really pushed me to feel better. Because that's when you have TJ, I think that's why guys come back better because um, they realize like, okay, this obviously wasn't working. So then you're going to find whatever works for you. And then, and now after surgery, like especially 2020 coming into this, I was doing the same thing I did in 2019 for rehab and some, because I was, I was supposed to be back this year. So I was finding whatever I could, could find to get better. Um, talk to the nutritionists all the time, talk to the coaches all the time, like what's going to be best for my arm, my body, everything. And then we have mental conditioning coaches. So I would talk to them. Um, <laughs> weird thing. I got into float tanks. Have you ever heard of those? Yeah. yeah. And I got into those because that, that is the greatest thing. You're sitting there where you can hear your own heartbeat. <laughs> and I think that is the most peaceful thing in the world. It, some people I could see it could drive them crazy. But when you're in a room where it's so quiet that you can hear your own heartbeat, your mind just starts to work differently. And then your thoughts go, they're, they're not erratic. You can focus in on one thought. And so I'd sit in float tanks and just have my eyes closed and would picture like DeGrom or something. And through my head, I was like, I need to throw it like this. And I mean, this guy is the best in the world right now at pitching. So do what he's doing. And through that, is what I think really helps a lot of guys coming back from TJ. Because I mean, it's it's not really a body reality check. It's more of a mental check for a lot of TJ guys. Because a lot of TJ guys, they'll come back, they're never the same. Uh, they, a lot of guys could be worse when they have TJ. But I mean, the more majority of them do come back a lot better. And in my case, I feel that's the same way. Now, have you changed anything mechanically at all? I know you said you watched the video of like maybe what went wrong and all the rehab you talked about. Is there anything you're doing differently now than you did in early 2019? Um, honestly, I went back to a lot of things I was doing in high school. So I was pulling up film from high school that the Yankees had in me. I was watching that. And then just 2019, we got new coordinators. And um, they really broke a lot of mechanical things down with me that made sense like they dummied everything down because they're very analytical now but they're very good at just dumbing it down because baseball players we're just stupid so we don't <laughs> understand when they're talking numbers and stuff so they need to dumb it dummy it down which is i mean that's what makes a great coach is because a lot of these guys are too smart to be baseball coaches but so they uh dummied it down and where i could focus on just little tiny tweaks and like, what are my strengths and build upon those? It's not, it's not focus on your weaknesses and make them better. Focus on your strengths 
and make those better. Man, dude, I feel like I could honestly listen to you talk to you, talk to you about that shit for like, <laughs> like that's so cool. Like, I feel like in the most like non-serious way, like I've lived vicariously through you for years. Before, like, I, I hear you, I just like I, I start like visualizing myself in like the float tank, and I'm like, man, dude, I'm man, I'm gonna make you it. Got them in slow, go up to one. <laughs> exactly. They're amazing. All right, I think for the final, uh, you know, like, final act of this, I think we'll have a little, have a little fun. Wow. You know, just some, some infamous moments if you want to talk about the, the draft night tweets that resurfaced, Jimmy. Sure, yeah. Here, let me pull it up. So you had, obviously, on your draft night, uh, according to your Twitter, you grew up an Angels fan. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to... What did you say? So I'm not ashamed of that. Right. Now, I'm going to read off this tweet. So, uh, let's see. September 25th, 2014, it's Derek Jr.'s last game. You tweeted... Three years before draft. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna add in some words. I'm gonna do a little journalism here because it's some typos, admittedly. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, okay. For how much I hate the Yankees, I'm glad that the way this game ended. Attaboy, Gene, or hashtag respect with the two with as the me two pack. Yeah, and then I'm looking at every single comment here, and every single comments in June of 2017, <laughs> which is your draft night. And you followed <laughs> it up with with your own quote tweet that says, "And now I'm the biggest Yankee fan in the world." So how was that? I mean, I guess, you know, not for like a racist or like homophobic way, but having your old tweets kind of resurface on draft night and maybe for a second think like, oh crap, am I in trouble here? And then, oh no, it's just like some stupid little thing. You know, when that resurfaced, it didn't, it was actually kind of my uh, agent, as soon as I got drafted, was like, your Twitter is blown up, dude. What's going on? I was like, ah, there's some tweets. He's like, you better get rid of them. So instead of deleting it, I just quoted it and was like, I'll just wear this as a man. Like, <laughs> exactly. Honestly, I hated the Yankees growing up, but who didn't? <laughs> so, yeah, then, I mean, I got hazed pretty hard once I got in the rookie ball over that. And that was probably the most I've ever been embarrassed was in front of your teammates and they're up there giving you shit. <laughs> they're trying to explain this, but I just told them, like, you don't get me wrong, I hated the Yankees, and that was about it. I didn't really give give a shit what the fans were saying at that time <laughs> about me. I mean, I just got drafted. I was like exactly. an 18-year-old kid when I got drafted. Like, I didn't know how to handle it, and so I just quoted it. And, 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 and I mean, I do love the organization now. It's first class, and it wasn't like when I got drafted, I was going to be like, ah, oh, I don't want to go to the Yankees. <laughs> like, no, you're going to go to the Yankees. Like, I grew up hating them, but everyone knows you hate them because they're the best is why you hate them. So <laughs> that's why I was like, I realized, okay, this is actually going to be a great organization for me. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, I think getting drafted by them is one of the best things for me. That's music to my ears, man. No, <laughs> yeah, like, well, like, that's how me and Jimmy became friends off of like our like big market superiority thinking. Cause like, like, to, like the way we joke about it is like no team besides the Dodgers or Yankees should ever win a world series. Like, it's, it's baseball's two best franchises, two richest franchises, honestly, two smartest franchises. Like, if you're not on that train, like, you're just going to live a sad life in the game of baseball. So, like, now that you're on the right train of the tracks, instead of, you know, supporting a, a, a second-class organization like the Angels anymore, it, it's nice to be on the front ropes. But I think I was going to, like, typically we do a top four every week, and I'm kind of going to put you on the spot here because I meant to ask you this before, but I'm just going to say screw it. So like if you just give me like a, like a couple or a few like memories that stand out to you from like your whole life playing baseball, because I'm thinking a majority of this will be, you know, people around Santa Maria probably listening in to be like, oh, Matt Sauer is going to be on a pod. I want to hear what that kid has to say about some of his moments. 
So we have things like stick out to you from your childhood, like top of the list, and then going into, you know, young adulthood. Wow. Yeah, no, yeah, take a second. Because <laughs> uh, I feel like what's funny is I might have more of you than you do of you. You probably do. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I mean, I got a lot. I mean, senior year CIF championship was huge. Because, I mean, all my best friends were on that team as well. And then uh, I hope John Thomas li- listens to this because I'm going to rub this in his face. Because he was the last guy to get drafted out of Rigetti, like from high school. And uh, that was the last time. That was 99, last time Rigetti had been to a CIF championship. So I was texting him as soon as we got to the championship. Like, you're not the best in town anymore. <laughs> um, so that's one of them. I mean, I, my whole Little League career, that was... A blast. I mean, just playing baseball in general. Yeah. Um, uh, Team USA. Um, so I played, a, it was about 10 days. I played, um, there was a, one of the coaches who was actually a scout with the Yankees, but he's a Northeastern scout. After, um, so I had no, like, it wasn't any contact with major league teams yet. He had, after those 10 days of playing with Team USA, he told me that um, the way I played the game was different than a lot of these guys because I didn't play it as this is a showcase. Like I was at showcases, but a lot of guys just do that for themselves. They just go. But when I went to a showcase, I was competing and still trying to win. And this has always stuck with me since the day he told me this. Is he just told me that I was a baseball player. Mm. And coming from a guy that knows professional organizations, and he had told me that he's only said this to two players. One was Derek Jeter, and the other one was me, saying that you guys are just baseball players. Just the way we play. I mean, balls in the dirt, taking second base on that. Uh, there's not many guys that do that when you're playing the showcase circuit and stuff. So when he told me that, that's definitely a big memory and it's stuck in my head. And that's one thing that when I feel like I'm getting, like messing around, not really being focused on baseball at the time, like that circulates in my head. They're like, hey, you're a baseball player. Like focus on the game. Because there's, there's a difference between like guys that just go out there and play and then actual baseball players you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. So it's like, it's just a weird mental note in my head. Like, always be a baseball player. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you couldn't nail you couldn't nail that any better. That's one of the things I think that bugged me and Jimmy. We broadcast up at the Santa Barbara Foresters this year, and it was a lot of, you know, guys that will be like top prospects in the coming years in the college draft, but you could tell they were playing just to, for themselves. And like, not in a bad way, I would be too. Like, but you're not playing to win, like, you're playing just to get showcased. So still, Playing with the competitive edge, I think, is, is something that sounds really familiar with the years I've played with you. Any any last few things from you before? I got a couple, yeah. like, thank yeah. you fan questions, yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah. You could chime in, of course, if you want. I guess first question is just, like, what's it what's it like being a Yankee? You know, like, I, I know you, you talked about the call on draft night. It's like, is that a little bit more special coming from the Yankees than it would for the, the Diamondbacks? Yeah, like, the Royals. <laughs> and you can be honest. Like, is that more special, less special? Um... I want to, on draft night itself, it wasn't like, hey, the Yankees was like a bigger deal because no matter what, whatever team I, that chose me was going to be a huge deal because I was going to go right. play professional baseball. But then once I got to the organization was down in Tampa, 
seeing it because we have the hallway right before you walk out in the field. There's every single one of the retired jerseys, and I think numbers one through 99 are retired with the Yankees now. It's insane. You walk down the hallway, and underneath each jersey, they have like a famous quote from that player, and then a description of the player's career and everything. So just the history of the organization, when you get there, you start to realize this organization is different. Like this is, they want the best out of you. And I, I think the Yankees are one of the only teams that still, I mean, we still have dress codes. We still have everything that doesn't happen with a lot of organizations from, I mean, I've never been with another organization, but hearing from my buddies that are in other organizations, it's a lot different with the Yankees. It's a lot more strict. You can't, can't, Go. You still have to, when you're on the field, you still have to run from each field. Or, like, you can get fined if you don't. So, if you're on field one and then, like, shagging BP, and then after BP, you have PFPs or something, if you're walking, they're just going to tell you to go into the locker room. You're not, you'll be fined, or some guys, you never know, get released. And the Yankees, there's no bullshit. So, um, they will, you're gone quickly if you screw up. So it's very first class with them, which I think can kind of separate the, like the, there's the cream of the crop, you know, with the Yankees, you can figure that out pretty quickly, which I think in other organizations you still can, but it's, they're not as strict. You can still get into other things. If that makes sense. You better shave your mustache before you report or you might get fined yourself. What do you mean? <laughs> I love mustaches. Well, that's true. Oh, yeah. anything, anything above the lip. Yeah, that's right. No now, beards. Who's the most, I guess, like famous person in the organization that you talk to? Is it Cashman? <laughs> Is it Matt Blake? Have you talked to any of the pro guys at all? Uh, Maybe like Reggie? I don't know. <laughs> Reggie? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Have you heard my Reggie story? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'll tell my Reggie story. Now? Huh? I didn't know there was a Reggie story. There's a Reggie Jackson story. <laughs> so, this is 2019. I'm rehabbing. And Reggie Jackson comes. And, like, he had, like, a high ankle sprain or something at 78 years old. I don't know. Comes in. And he's, I mean, he's Reggie Jackson. He can do whatever he wants. Wait, he's rehabbing at the Yankees facility? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Mr. October. Okay. Yeah, he's allowed to do whatever he wants. So, he <laughs> walks in. And I'm sitting there getting soft tissue on my arm. And he comes up. And, of course, he doesn't introduce himself as Reggie. Like, hi, I'm Reggie Jackson. Nice to meet you. He just goes, hey, what's your name? And I'm like, uh, Matt Sauer. He's like, uh, you a pitcher? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, you look like one. And walks away. And obviously, I know who he is. I'm like, okay, so that's my first impression of Reggie. I go into the weight room. Ten minutes later, he's riding a bike. I sit down on the bike, like two bikes next to him because he's got his personal trainers with him and stuff too on the bike right next to him. So I'm two bikes down. He looks over at me and goes, hey, you a pitcher? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Reggie. We just we just met five minutes ago. And he's like, what's your name? Matt Sauer. Nice to meet you, Reggie. I'm just playing dumb at this point. Like, nice to meet you, Reggie. Like, really cool. Like, So then... I leave the field, go over to the golf course, and I'm putting around on the putting green. Reggie walks up at the golf course in, like, a boot on his ankle, walks up and goes, hey, do you play pro ball? Oh, my gosh, Reggie. 
I told him, I was like, Reggie, we met an hour ago for the second time. This is our third time meeting today. He goes, what's your name? <laughs> Matt Sauer. He's like, ah, haven't heard of you. And walks away. All right, cool, Reggie. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Reggie. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Great guy. Nice. Great guy. And any other Yankees fan questions? Sure, yeah. So I guess we could do a couple of lifetime or rapid fire now. Um, you played in... What was the first place in, in uh, rookie ball? Florida, but what city? Tampa. Tampa? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you played Tampa, you played in uh, Staten Island, and Charleston, right? Yep. So what's your favorite out of those three, and then what's your favorite road city to play at? And maybe restaurant, too. If you that's, don't a good, uh, that's a good question. Right? That's a great question. Uh, Charleston, definitely for the home. Uh, the app, Charleston was just amazing. I mean, I was only there for 10 days, but that was so much fun. Um, road. I didn't really get to travel much when I was in Charleston, so. When I was in Staten Island, uh, Burlington, Vermont was pretty sweet. Um, even though that was a brutal bus ride, 12 hours up there. Um, but the city was, I mean, that was Ben and Jerry started there. So it was pretty cool going over there and getting ice cream with the boys. And then, uh, uh, I think it's Lake Champlain, um, had, uh, the Bassmaster Classic was there the first time we were there. So before our game, I sat on the lake and watched the fishing tournament going on. Cause I love to fish. So I was like, this is sweet. And watching all these badass boats float by and stuff. Um, so definitely Vermont was a lot of fun. Aberdeen, Maryland, uh, that's a that's a good place because they're, uh, they're just in minor leagues. You got to go off the hotels because uh, Vermont had a really good hotel, and then Aberdeen had a really good hotel, um, and Aberdeen had a casino, so <laughs> gives you something more, to do. We didn't get any more into that. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's your living situation like? Is it kind of the stereotypical? minor league setup or do you have anything like peculiar or different or unique than maybe other guys might have? I have a truck. That's about it. Everyone has an air mattress. (laughs) Um, No, there's minor league uh, would is like you would think of a bachelor pad and think of it a hundred times worse. That's what a minor league because we got eight guys living in a two bedroom apartment. Um, You're in the living room, there's maybe two lawn chairs out. <laughs> um, the kitchen, no one ever cooks because go get your meals at the field. But bedrooms, it's just air mattresses all lined up. And you're uh, if you bring a mattress, you'll guys give you a lot of shit for that. Like, don't bring a mattress. You better have an air mattress. <laughs> Everyone's here sleeping on air mattresses. Uh, yeah, so the living situation is... It's a lot of fun, though. I mean, you're in an apartment with eight guys. You can imagine how it gets, but it is fun. And my last question, has anyone ever told you you look like Chad Green? No. I think you kind of look like him a little bit. That's a great compliment. (laughs) That guy's, he's got a massive back, and that's why he throws gas. (laughs) I have one last question for you. It's an an open-ended one, I think. Five years from now, where are you? Big leagues. Any more specific? I'm a starter. All right. I know you want me to be a reliever, but I'm no. not saying that. I'm not saying that. I, 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 I was thinking in my mind, I'm like, this guy, five years from now, starter, big leagues, ring. 
Yankees ring or what, whatever. Yeah, Wedding yeah. ring, Yankees ring. Yeah, maybe sign that 17.8 to avoid arbitration or something. <laughs> Qualifying <laughs> offer? Yeah, you never know. We'll see. Hopefully, I mean, I qualify for free agency by then and sign another massive deal. That's a goal. All right. But, uh, yeah, just big leagues. That's pretty much it. That's what I'm just make the show. All right, awesome. And any any final words for from anybody before we sign off? Just really thank you for having me on, Matt. Yeah, just, thank you. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate being a Yankee guy for sure. So. <laughs> but, uh, like honestly, like I have so many more things I could ask too. Like we got to make this a multiple time thing sometime. We should. Time. Part two, part three, part thank four. You. Exactly monthly. Enjoy the podcast. Who knows when I go back? (laughs) I appreciate Matt coming on. I appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you next week on next year the detail.